4: Back in the saddle again, we're back in the saddle again.
0: Okay, Gene Autry, what's that all about?
4: Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials.
0: Ever think of hiring a copywriter? Pat's pretty good.
4: Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release.
0: This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, J-Lo.
1: Take it from Zap, They ship today. So
5: long, so
0: we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Some little news, little information. You know what I'm saying. I was just looking at the news. There's not a whole lot of news you want to report. Everybody is still in the... Well, there's some, actually, there's some positive things going on in the world for a change, I guess. That's what I understand, anyway.
6: I have but, some good news. We have Gelfand on the phone. Oh, that,
0: that's about as good as news gets right there.
3: And I've got great news.
0: Uh-oh, what is
5: it?
3: Oh. Well, good news in my family, uh, because we're sort of affected by this, and that is that Robert Durst has finally been found guilty of murder. And what a, what a sentence. He'll be sentenced to prison for the rest of his life. Of course, he's 78. Gonna... So unless he pulls a Sid Hartman, it's not going to be that many years.
0: How about spending 22 years in prison of the years from 78 to 100? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be yeah. a thrill. And, the
3: guy, and, you know, of course, it's hard to say what sort of shape he's in, but naturally at the trial he was in a wheelchair. I mean, that's a must, right?
7: Mm-hmm. Oh, they're course, all in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah.
3: And they're all going blind.
7: Yeah, that's true. You know, they got true. the
3: shawl over their lap. Most And, definitely. you know, he's saying, he's saying, Hey, hey, hey didn't I didn't... Quite understand the question, yeah, you know, that kind of thing, right he understood. <laughs> he understood it just like the way he understood you know when he was chopping his wife into little pieces.
0: is that what he did? So, he chopped her up too, I didn't know he chopped her up,
3: well, one of his victims he he chopped up and and then just you know put the pieces in garbage bags, and uh they found the pieces, but he still was found uh, not guilty, so uh, this guy's had some. Let's just say he's had some juries that greatly respected him. I yes, get the it, idea.
0: Yes. Do you think there was any money involved in any of that? No,
3: no. I, I can't imagine. No. no, no. So, so now, of course, he's you know he's been he's been convicted of killing uh, his wife Susan Berman. Now, as as you may recall, uh, Susan Berman. Was married to my third cousin, Mr. Margulies.
0: That's right. That's right, Mr. Mr.
3: Mr. Margulies. Mr. Margulies' dad, Jay. He was my, I guess you'd say, he was my third cousin once removed. Jay was a uh, was probably the top lieutenant of Davy Berman, who ran the Minneapolis Rackets for quite a while. And then and then Davy went out to Vegas, and of course, uh, uh, my my cousin uh Jay Marguerite went with him, the family did. And uh family wasn't mixed up in this, just Jay. I want to say that. I wanna make that clear. Sure, sure. Uh, because uh because Mister Mr has been dead for a long time, but his sister his sister uh is is my age and, and we're good friends. So I do have a connection to the family and I know she's been following this very carefully but um but Susie Susie was married to Mister for I think maybe a couple years. Oh, okay. the marriage didn't last long because uh, he was a heroin addict, and uh, in theory, at least, he died eventually of a not that not that far away from when they were married, died of a, supposedly an overdose of heroin. But you know, I think you have to wonder uh, maybe if he had a little help with that overdose. You think
0: just a possibility. I,
3: well, when you just look at the the people we're dealing with, I, I kind of think so. Now, now, Jay, uh, Mister, I didn't know very well, although I did spend quite a bit of time with Mister. Uh, I was in Las Vegas when I was oh gosh, I must have been twenty one, and um, I uh, so I went to visit uh, the family, and I when I say family, I, you know, you can take it either way, but um, but Jay. I had a long talk with Jay, and then Mister uh, Mister was he was a few years younger than me, not that much younger, but he was like 16 at the time, and he gave me a tour of Las Vegas, including all the worst places you could find. So this kid knew too much too early. There was no no doubt about that, and um, you know it's just not not a great situation. And then of course Susan wrote a book. Actually, I actually have I have the book uh, right here next to me. It's called Easy Street. It was basically sort of a, uh, you know, my father, the mobster story. Right, right. So um, a lot of stories I could tell about about Jay and the family, but um, I had a very memorable conversation with Jay. I was 23 or 24 years old, and uh, I, w- I was working for the Minneapolis Tribune, and I'm, I'm working late, and uh, my assistant city editor, uh, Jimmy Parsons, good old boy from Tennessee, comes up to me and he says, uh, well, I, I got a little uh, obit for you to write, and I don't think it's going to be easy. And I said, why? He said, well, this guy just died, and uh, his, his name was Jack Apple.
0: And, Jack uh, Apple, okay.
3: <clears throat> yeah, and apparently he was a mobster. I said, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. I knew about Jack Apple. Jack Apple was uh, was a hitman for the mob. And uh, I kind of suspected that uh, since he was based here and eventually went to Vegas, he probably probably knew Jay. So I called Jay up in, in Las Vegas. Jay, uh, Jay had fairly recently been firebombed by the mafia. So Jay wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't... Uh, let's, let's just say that uh, his mind wandered a little bit because that's a kind of a life-changing event when you're firebombed by the mafia.
0: Yeah, I could see that, yeah.
3: Jay thought one day he had the idea. He was running a gift shop. You know, they had set him up with this gift shop in in a casino, and and Jay had the idea one day that, you know, he could probably provide for his family a little better if, uh, if Mafioso guys weren't coming in every 10 minutes and taking money out of the till. So Jay decided to open up a second gift shop, downtown and uh, the firebomb was the response to that. So anyway, I called up Jay. A lot of digressions in this story because there's so many tributaries. It's like a, you know, sure. a huge river. Sure. You keep you keep running into these tributaries and you have to respect them. But so I called up I called up Jay and I said, "Jay, uh, it's Mike, you know, Mike Gelfan. How you doing?" and we kind of, you know, reminisced about old times and I said, "Well, I'm writing a story." Uh, trying to put together a little obit on uh, on Jack Apple. Uh, did you kn- Did you know Jack? He said, "Well, <laughs> did I know him? He was one of my closest friends. Of course, I knew him." So he gave me a little information, and uh, apparently, I may have been too conversational because it seemed like he kind of forgot that I was writing a story. At least in retrospect. <laughs> At any rate, so I said, "Well, you know what? What was your impression of him?" And he said, "Listen, I got to tell you something. Jack Apple." Was was a great guy. He was a if 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 you were a friend of Jack Apple, he gave you the shirt off his back. I said, oh okay. So what if you were his enemy? And he paused briefly and he said, he'd kill you.
0: <laughs> well, shirt off your back, kill you. So yeah.
3: you know, naturally, I went with that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I, oh, that's a mistake.
3: Yeah, and Jay was not happy about that no, again. I, no, yeah, he just didn't realize that I was calling as a journalist, not so much as a cousin who hadn't
0: talked to him in 15 years. God, what a story that is. That's a great story, Mike.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, quite a
0: family. We just had a guy on, on Giovanni uh, Rocco is his name. He did undercover uh, the Cavalcante family, the most notorious. uh, They were basically the the real Sopranos. That's the name of his book is The Real Sopranos. Mm -hmm. The Cavalcante family. He went undercover for years and years. And he was a nice, nice Italian boy from Bayonne, New Jersey. And I asked him a question at the very end of the interview. Did a great interview. It was a really good interview. <clears throat> he doesn't give his real name, obviously. His real name is not Giovanni Rocco. But I asked him a question. I said, I, as a nice Italian boy, I'd like, I'd like to know some because I just heard this this morning. which was reported in the news that... Um, that DiGiorno is putting out a macaroni and cheese pizza, which is true, by the way. They are now, yep. now going to put out a macaroni and cheese pizza, okay? So, uh, so Giovanni, uh, what do you think? Would you uh, would you like a macaroni and cheese pizza? And he paused and said, you lost me at DiGiorno, <laughs> which I thought was wonderful. I thought that was just correct. You know... I have so, Mike. Is it because and people? I don't think know this anymore, and they certainly don't, certainly don't ever talk about it. I know and you know because of our our early childhoods that even though Minneapolis was the most anti-Semitic city in America, is is it because of that that organized crime in Minnesota was run by Jews because they had no other way to make a living?
3: Oh, absolutely, just yeah. just like <clears throat> just like the Italians uh, before the Jews and you know the irish it's uh, yeah that's uh, discrimination and hatred obviously force people into professions that may not have been their first choice but you you got to make a living my my a lot of my cousins well i shouldn't say a lot but it, but more than one were bookmakers and you know because that was one of right. the things that they they could do I, I remember visiting another cousin this wasn't jay but i remember visiting another cousin um, and it was kind of a rare thing cause we didn't really have much contact with our cousins. My dad was an only child and, um, uh, my mom had a few cousins, but not that many. And, um, and so, you know, but, but this, um, on some occasions we do this, uh, I had one uncle, but I didn't know him that well. So we went over to one of our cousins' house. I have no idea why, but we were over there and, um, I went down to the basement with uh, with my my cousin who was he must have been he must have been about my age uh, he was probably like my fifth cousin or something I didn't know him very well and uh, I kind of lit up because when we got down to the basement there was a I saw a big uh, ping pong table and you know living in Cretan, on Crete Avenue we didn't, really didn't have room for a ping pong table right we didn't have like a recreation room you know what. No, no I know it's, oh, it's terrible! But you know what? We had something more important. We had neuroses.
0: Well, you did. Yes, that's true. I know that. So I, I,
3: I said, uh, I said, hey, why don't we take, uh, why don't we take all that, you know, those, those little slips of paper off there, and play ping pong? And he said, uh, my dad will kill us if we do that. So the little pieces of paper, and I'm talking about you know about about maybe a quarter of the size of the of the standard post-it note you see today. Right. Had numbers written on them, and it would be like you know one o four six five, and then it would say it would say something like you know UNLV minus two, <laughs> you know you UM go. plus three, that kind of thing. Sure. And and uh, next next to that. Under the under the ping-pong table, there was a big bucket of water. So, in other words, the, these were uh, th- this was flash paper. You know what flash right. paper sure, is? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Flash paper. You, you just saw so it. If the, if the cops knock on the door, you take the flash paper, you throw it in the bucket of water, and everything just disappears. God.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> what a world. What a world.
3: All yeah, I and you can been. imagine, you can imagine Mister and and his sister, Mr. sister was my friend. Would
0: well, it be Sister Mister or Mister
3: Sister? Yeah, uh, depending on whatever is convenient.
0: That's true. Okay.
3: And and uh, and the, but you can just imagine growing up in Susie Berman, of course, whose dad was Davy, the mobster, the lead mobster. You can imagine how their lives were a little different. You, you know that that growing up in that environment. Um, just not it's just not the same and you're always going to feel ostracized and you know and then you then of course you know you've got you've got the Jewish mobsters and they're moving out to Las Vegas in the 50s and remember now Las Vegas was not controlled by the mob Las Vegas was controlled by the Mormon banks
0: right that's exactly right
3: they supplied the money so as you can imagine you the, the, these poor Jewish kids of mobsters went to school and they you know they were they were in a sizable minority. Uh, most of, the, most of their, their friends, their schoolmates, were, were far more likely to, to be Mormons. Who you, you may recall the Mormons never did really have a high regard of the Jews. And I'm sure it was vice versa. Because yes. yeah. Yeah. one of the things the Mormons have, have done for many years, I, I, don't think, I, don't, I think they still do it in some places, even though um, the Jewish Anti-Defamation League and others have expressed their contempt for this. You know, they like to uh, retroactively um, uh, um, baptize Jews. In other words, they they have ceremonies where they baptize dead Jews and turn them into Mormons. What? Dead Jews? Dead
0: Jews, yeah.
3: right.
0: Why why did they have to be dead? Because the Jews wouldn't do it if they were alive. Well, they don't
3: have to be dead, but if they were alive, they would never allow it.
0: Yeah, that's true. So they, they do this
3: do ceremony while they're dead, and then that way they their spirit will go to heaven.
0: Oh well, see there you go. I why no, Mike. Obviously, you know Minnesota has a big Scandinavian population. Had a big uh, German population. What did the, the hatred of the Jews was was it both groups? Was it the Scandinavians and the Germans, or what, what was the problem
5: here?
3: Well all of the all of the hatred of Jews it was it was bad from the start you know the Jews came over here in, in not so much in Minnesota mostly in New York but they came over to the country as you know and by the millions at the turn of the century right they were fleeing if they weren't fleeing you know the the Germans they were fleeing Stalin but mostly mostly the, the the Czars at that time
5: yeah yeah you know
3: Russia was not a great place to be for for Jews and uh if you uh if you uh let's say you were the the big brother you had three brothers you were the big brother and you were able to escape and and get to the United States well then what would happen is the next in line the brother in line would have to serve your term in the army and his so basically oh. then you'd have to do 12 years in the army oh god not exactly fighting for a cause you believed in right but um <clears throat> also, also, of course, you know now you get you get into the twenties and the thirties, and and now Hitler's is uh, making some moves, and now you have what people like uh, Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh would call the Jew problem. It wasn't the Hitler problem; it was the Jew problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, Lindbergh was not exactly a, a favorite of uh, of the Jews. There's no question.
3: Well, he was a Nazi sympathizer.
0: Was he literally and, a Nazi? But, but so. Who else? Wouldn't Joe Kennedy side shoulder to shoulder with him?
3: Well, if, if there was enough money, in it, yeah.
0: <laughs> it was enough money to be well—that's exactly right, isn't it?
3: And and so the the uh, you know so so and then you had Henry Ford, who of course uh, bought the Dearborn newspaper so that he could solely for the purpose of publishing the uh, you know the the. The lying conspiracy theory, the you know the the story of the the elders, and it was just all it was all kind of like the conspiracy theories we're hearing today about the government implanting chips in people, you know, when they're getting right. the vaccine. Right. It was the sure. same kind of thing. It was just wild <laughs> conspiracy theories, and and everything was the fault of the Jews, and that kind of thing sort of captured. The feeling of a lot of people, which was that not that not that Hitler was a threat to democracy and would eventually would would want to you know enslave us as right, well as everybody right. in Europe, it was that that if they could just get rid of the Jews or just let the Jews go, let them be exterminated, then you know Hitler would would take a pass on us.
0: So is this all about cack and Jesus? Is that was that the whole problem? Is that the Jews killed Jesus and that's what they were so pissed off
3: about? You know. I have a feeling that just just from the reading I've done and things my parents had told me that it was it was really less about religion, more about culture.
0: What was the problem with culture, though? That that, that this part I don't understand.
3: Well, remember the remember the Nazis, uh, marching down the streets in Virginia, you know, and uh, you know these were the the very good people, of course. Um, and, and, and chanting, Jews will not replace us, which was one of Hitler's slogans because, you know, he wanted to make people afraid that right, because the right. Jews were industrious, they were even worse, they were known as being smart. And I can tell you personally, some are and some aren't. Well, oh, Yeah, um, I
0: mean, uh, from my experience, you know
3: yeah so and when after all you know we've assimilated now so that we have almost as many stupid people as smart yeah it's what happens it does
0: you're absolutely right there's no question part of
3: the melting pot you know one of the things that melts is your intellect
0: well look what's going on right now the united states is now in 24th place in reading and math did you know that 24th place in the world
3: it's been, it's been, of course, you know, we don't really know how bad it could be because these are pre-pandemic figures.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's very true.
3: So I, it's safe to say it, that I think that it's probably gotten worse.
0: God, can you even believe that? Why did we give up on educating? Actually, educating and, and, and being learned. two. See, being educated and being smart are two different things, and people don't realize. They think that if you're smart, you're educated. Well, that's not necessarily true. And if you're educated, it also doesn't mean that you're smart. But people think that's the same thing, that education and intelligence is the same thing, and it's flat out not even close. Well,
3: let's face it, you and I are poster boys for that.
0: Mm, That's true. (laughs) Well, we're not educated. We're not educated, that is true. Well, no, you're right about that. That's very, very, there's not a lot of education there, and we seem to have gotten by somehow, which is kind of nice. I just, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, uh, There was a there was a thing last uh, that appeared this morning in the Star Tribune. Getting back to the old neighborhood, because where I grew up, and again I talk about this one once in a while, Catholics, Jews, and uh, and uh, Black people—that's who lived in North Minneapolis. Well of course, they show a a scene this morning, the corner of Broadway and Lindell. Excuse me, yeah, Broadway and Lindell the Merwin liquor store, and then, of course, there's a, a winter gas right across the street. There was a, right. a guy that opened fire with an automatic weapon, a machine gun, just driving by in an SUV, opened fire with a machine gun on just yeah. willy-nilly people out there, right? Yeah. And it just struck yeah. home because I spent so much time in that corner because when it was Merwin drug, my mother was a waitress there at the fountain, mm-hmm. and I spent, I cannot tell you how much time I spent on that street corner, and now... It's a scene of one of the most uh, hideous murders of all time. Yeah, I, I just I hate looking back at it that way, Mike. I do. I hate it.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's scary. Uh, just you, you just kind of cringe before you go online and see what happened overnight while you were trying to yeah, you desperately yeah. to sleep and probably failing. No, that's yeah. exactly
0: it. That's exactly right. I, I just, you know, I, I have those wonderful memories. And it, basically it was from Lindale to, uh, excuse me, from the river to Lindale was pretty much your Catholic neighborhood. And then Lindale mm-hmm. over to Penn was a black neighborhood. And then Penn west to there was a Jewish neighborhood. And yeah, everybody my, came my, and uh, went. It was wonderful.
3: My, my grandmother and, of course, my mother lived on uh, Ace and Newton.
0: Yeah, there you go. There, there you go. Just oh, she, she was on the wrong side of Penn Avenue by about like uh, two blocks. What the hell, man! You can't have
3: oh, that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, even you know, as a little kid, before before they fled from the from the area, I mean, I saw you know I saw police chases and, and you know people shooting, cops shooting shooting at, at at suspects you know while they were speeding down Newton right. Avenue. Right. It was like the Wild West.
0: It was back in the old days. we got to take a break here for a quick second. Then we'll be right back. Mike Gelfand is with us. And back in seconds, as I said. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan's Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Gelfand oh, with us. He
6: just dropped off.
0: He just dropped off. Uh, why are we having such a problem with I Jeff? Don't Jeff know. Foxworthy calls in, then he drops off. Oh, he he's drops- back. Oh, it's Okay,
6: at- he's back for real this time.
0: Mr. Foxworthy, how are you? <laughs> I'm an idiot. No, I you're
7: bet- I-, <laughs> I went I, I went from not busiest thing I had to do all day was to maybe buy dog food so I've been in 13 cities in sixteen days and uh, i ju- I have no excuse it just I, I got the time wrong and I'm an idiot no
0: it's how, how long do you have because I don't want to hold you longer than t- the time did you have 15, 20 minutes or what uh, what kind, what's your time frame
7: i, I I got whatever you need. Yeah, I'm Okay, good. so we'll be on till I'm like good. 4 or
0: 5 o'clock this afternoon. That'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> Jeff, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, our special guest. Uh, his comedy show at the Pantages Theater, October 30th. It's a Saturday. Two shows, one at 5 p.m., one at 7.30. And I would tell you uh, this morning in the Star Tribune, the local newspaper here in Minneapolis, there's a big article about how you're uh, going to shoot a Netflix special. Uh, while you're, while you're and, and, and apparently Jim Gaffigan is, is following your lead because he's in town tonight, tomorrow night, and the next night, uh, Saturday night as well, and he's shooting a Netflix uh, series, so apparently Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis is a hot spot for great comedy, so that's good.
7: It, it, Minneapolis has always been a great spot for yep. comedy. The, yep. last, the last thing I did for Netflix, I did Larry the Cable guy there. And oh, right, yeah. I don't know, I've just yeah, I've always just loved doing shows there. And this this thing that I've been playing with this time around is called the good old days because my in-laws, what, they're like they take great pride in telling you how tough they had it growing up, you know, like you know, yes. no electricity and we only had dirt to eat, and and but then they finish it off by calling it those were the good old days. And and so dur- during COVID, I just thought, all right, I'm going to do a deep dive on this and and just look at were things better then or better now, you know, and and so it's kind of been kind of fun because it's multi generational. You know the way we did things. Like, remember when you were a kid, and if you went when you went to the doctor's office, if you behaved, you always got to stop by the treasure chest on the way out. The little, the little cardboard box full of the cheap toys. Remember that? Yes, sir. I mean, and I'm thinking, why did that have to stop? I. I wouldn't mind going to the doctor and him putting on the rubber glove to check my prostate if I knew that on the way out I was going to get to swing by and grab a new spider ring. You know? <laughs> I mean, wh- wh- why did that have to stop?
0: I agree. You should have never stopped. Now, one thing I do have no. to tell you about the appearance today is there's a guy that's usually on the show named uh, Doug Sprinthal. He does a, the second hour of the show, he does Car Selling Secrets. Uh, he's really good about it, and a lot of people calling about, you know, muscle cars or race cars or their family car, all kinds of great stuff, right? Um, so I told him, because he's out of town, he's in Vegas at a convention, I said, um, we, we had a really hard time replacing you on the show, Doug. I don't know what we're going to do. We could only get Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> he said, what? And I said, Jeff Foxworthy is going to take your spot on Thursday. He goes, would you do me a favor and ask him? because he's just wild about this. He does this he does this thing on car selling secrets called your very first car. So if you don't mind, Jeff, he wants me to ask you what your very first car was in your life.
7: Well, beggars can't be choosers, first no. of all. So <laughs> yeah, there I, you go. I I inherited my uncle's used green Pinto. Where the back left quarter panel was actually white, uh, and it was kind of like a Fred Flintstone car in that if you were going uphill, you had to open the door and stick your leg out and kind of help it. It was like a scooter, you know. Uh, yeah, that was that was my first ride. So, uh, and boy, don't you know the chicks were lining up to cruise around in that thing.
0: The green pit What year was the Pinto?
7: <laughs> oh, I'm thinking it was probably like a '71. Yeah,
0: 71, seventy-one green Pinto with a with a white quarter panel. Now we're talking.
7: Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the the first car I ever bought. Now this is this is the redneck in me. The first car that I ever bought for myself, I bought a Rally Sport Camaro, because you're not really a redneck until you've totaled at least one Camaro. Wow, well, that's true. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. There's no doubt about that. I, I just I love the fact that when people talk about their cars, this that yeah, cars are very very important to people, women and men, all the rest of it. But this one wonderful thing, and it's been pointed out by every person who's ever listened to this show. So I think we're about two three million people in now. My daughter was in one uh, one day with uh, with Doug, and Doug said, Alex, now what was your first car? And she kind of looked up at the ceiling and was thinking about it. And this is a true story. And you know this, Mr. Foxworthy, because you've done rather well in your career. So you understand your children had a different life than you did. And uh, our daughter's the same way because uh, we asked her, he asked her what her first car was. And she said, you know, I don't really remember. It was either the Audi or the Jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Okay. Okay. (laughs)
7: She's going to have a hard time telling stories about how tough she had it in the good old days. I can <laughs> yeah, tell you that. That's exactly right.
0: That's exactly right. You're going to have a hell of a time telling stories about that. No question about it. God, I, it, it's so... You know, Jeff, we were, you were just on the, the KQ Morning Show. I've been doing a KQ Morning Show for 37 years now here in Minneapolis. And you were just on last week. And wow. it was so nice for you to step up and be on this show as well. Because I... Every time you call in, whether it's the morning show or the afternoon show here, I just, man, I get great. La- you, your take on life, uh, you know, it's not that it's not the situation. where, well, you know, he's very clean, and he all that part. Yeah, that's true. But that's not why you're so funny. I mean, you 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 feel every story you tell, don't you?
7: I do. You know, yep. and I, and I just I talk about my life. You know, people were like, how do you? come up with that, and I just, and maybe we talk about this, but, you know, I just assume if, if I think something, or my wife says it, or my family does it, I just think other people are thinking and saying and doing the same thing, and, and you know, to be able to laugh at ourselves, because we've kind of lost that in this country, we've, yes. we've lost the ability to laugh at ourselves, and because I, we're all idiots, well, none of us have got this figured out, you know, and so I just admit it. I'm like, hey, I'm an idiot. I don't know, but but it sure does make life easier. And you just learn to, to to laugh at things. And I think as human beings, we need it. You know, that's one thing during this pandemic, we haven't had live comedy. And all the comedians I talk to, they, they tell me people are coming up to them and going, oh my God. I can't remember the last time I laughed like that.
5: Yeah. Oh, and I yeah. think
7: it's good for our health, you know? We need to.
0: You know, one of the great moments last week when you were on the KQ Morning Show here in Minneapolis was uh, when I when I mentioned, and I'll mention it again and, and then I'll just be quiet because you you did, you killed it, it was just wonderful. I asked you your feelings on, on cancel culture, and I believe that was before they went after Dave Chappelle. I think it was just either was that day or the day before. And your take on the cancel culture and the fact that you cannot be funny anymore for some people, I love the way you went after
7: that subject. Well, you know, and I think what we've lost in all this is, is intent. Yes. It, do you know what I mean? And, nope. and it's like 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 30 years ago when I was writing stuff, I would say why do men do this and women do this or why do women do this and men do that. And then, you know, then I had people going, "Well, I'm a woman, I don't do that." Or mm-hmm. and I'm like, "All right, I'll say why do I do this but my wife does that." I'll make it, you know, more personal, but 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 the intent it, at least for me, I'm just not mean-spirited. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's right. feelings. I'm not trying to exclude anybody. I'm just trying to make you laugh. And and if that doesn't work for you, then I'm sorry and don't watch me. <laughs> you know? But it, it we've lost what is the intent of all of this. And the intent of it is to point out that, that none of us have it figured out every day we're coming to 100 forks in the road, and we're guessing left and right. And, you know, sometimes we're correct, and sometimes we're not. But, we, you know, when we live in a society now where everybody has to be right, that means somebody else has to be wrong. And people don't like being wrong. They just walk away from, from you. And so what we lose is conversation. Um, I, I, somebody that, the other day, I, I was doing my podcast, and they said something that was counter kind of what I'd always thought. But as they explained themselves, I, I was thinking, you know what? That, that is a valid point. That is a valid point. And I had never thought about it that way. And, we pers- and, and he, over the course of this, changed my mind about something. Oh. But that can only happen when we have conversations.
0: And people don't want to do that right now. I, I You know, it came up on the morning show this morning the fact that I don't know why it is we can't get away from singling out one group of people based on skin color, whether it be black or brown or white or whatever. We always have to have one group of people, oh, my God, you're bad people. I, I, why do we have to blame our problems on one particular group of people? I don't get it.
7: Well, I don't either, and, and I don't think that's, you know unique to now. I think it's probably always been that way. But if you think about it, none of us, not you, not me, not our children, had any say-so in what country we were going to be born into, what parents we were going to be born to, and what color our skin was going to be. So to me, if you had no control of and no say-so about it, how can you take pride in that? Or how can you be ashamed of that? You know, you had no control over either. It, it would be like asking somebody that was born without an arm to be ashamed of that. And they were like, right. oh, I, I had no control. That's the way I was born. And so it's, it's ridiculous. And you know, we, God, it's our egos that always get in the way that we feel like we've got to be superior to somebody else, and that's the way we elevate ourselves. And I just have never looked at people that way. I just I just don't. You know, in my mind, if you are kind and, and if you are making an effort, I don't care what you look like. I'm going to be kind to you. Right. I, 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 it does not matter. So, you, you know, and if you're not kind or if you're trying to take advantage of somebody else, then I'm going to have a problem with you. And again, it doesn't matter what you look like or where you're from.
0: It just amazes me, too, Jeff, the fact that the people who are the most distant from what they perceive as the problem, in other words, they don't live in those neighborhoods, they don't deal with those people, Uh, they're always experts at what those people are really all about. I've never understood how you can be an expert on somebody you've never even met or don't even know. That's the part I don't get.
7: I'll tell you a great story because, like, my whole life, my my aunt was was in, um, worked with childhood uh, cancer. And so when I started being a comedian, I would do all these things for St. Jude's or the Duke Children's Hospital or Make-A-Wish. I was doing all these things with childhood cancer, and I never had any heart pull towards homelessness. And I met a guy one day about 13 years ago. And he worked at the biggest homeless shelter in Atlanta, and he invited me to come down for lunch. And I liked the guy, and, and I'm like, yeah, I'll come down for lunch. Now, I was one of those people with homeless people. The way I interacted with them was at the stoplight, here's five bucks, please go away. That's the way right. I interacted with them. Right. So I go down there to have lunch, and this guy sits down. He's like 21 years old. White kid in the middle of the urban city sits down with us, and he's living in this homeless shelter. Now, my first thought was, "Dude, you're 21 years old. You're healthy. Get a job. What? What the heck are you doing living on the street?" Mm-hmm. His name was Jason. His name was Jason, and so I always want to know people's stories. I said, "Jason, what's your story?" He said, "Well, he said it was me, my brother, my mom, and dad. And then when I was 11, my mom killed herself. Oh, and God." Two, year, two years later, my brother killed himself. And then it was just me, and my dad and my second year of college, my dad killed himself. And he said, I just got to the point where I couldn't hurt anymore. So I started getting high. God. Well, when you get high, you can't go to school and you can't hold a job. And that's how he ended up on the street. And, and as I'm sitting there listening to him, I'm thinking... Holy cow, Did i get high, too. I'd get high every day. Yeah. That was my life. No, you're right. You're absolutely and, right. And that, so all of a sudden, this wasn't a guy standing at the corner. This was this was a fellow human being that had had some of the most tragic stuff I've ever heard of happen to him. And you know what? He he, he needed somebody to love on him. He needed somebody to walk side him through this stuff. And I am happy to say, 13 years later, Jason graduated college, and he is a nurse and got his own place, and he's doing okay. But So until you know somebody's story, until you know what they're holding, it's really crappy to even judge anybody.
0: No, there's no, and, and, and that's a very, very good point. You need to get to know somebody before you judge them and to make the sweeping that, that all black people are bad, all white people are bad, all the, you don't know them. You, you can't say that. They had, well, as you said, if you're born without an arm, it's really not your fault you only have one arm, you know?
7: Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, my, my default is I, I try to be kind to people and have grace with people because i don't know their story Mm -hmm. and then as you get to know them you you know then you adjust but yeah i and and i don't know what's so hard about that and 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 from sitting there having lunch with that guy i ended up working well covid we had to stop but for 12 years in a row we would get up at five o'clock on tuesday mornings and go down there and lead a men's group Mm. in this homeless shelter. So, so for thousands of mornings, I've been down there because I went, crap, there's some guys that just got kicked in the gut that, that needs somebody that, you know, kind of walk them through this stuff. And you know, I don't people don't know that about me. I don't do it. So people will applaud me. There was just, that was a place I could step in and. You know, if we would all just do that to each other, you don't have to change the world. Just, just make your little corner of it a little better. That's all you got to do. And if everybody made their corner better, the world would be a better place.
0: That's true. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no Jeff, why do you think it is, um, <clears throat> you know, in, in my situation, people go, why, why, how did you ever get into business? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? How did you end up being such a great storyteller? I mean, you are a terrific storyteller. Was it in your family? Is it something? I tell you, the reason that I got into telling jokes and doing all that stuff, my father and I never got along. And the only time he was ever happy with me was when I was making him laugh. And that's a fact. Was there something like that in your life as well?
7: I, now you have to repeat the the first part of the question only because my wife had called me uh, and I lost you for just a second.
0: Well, say hello if you would, please. I would appreciate that.
7: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I I declined her. I'm sticking with you, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All that. I'm gonna be popular now. there no doubt. No, I was just talking about. You're a great storyteller. You you're very very good at telling stories. You're a very funny guy. But the story the storytelling part of the reason you are so funny.
7: Where did that come from? Do you think? You know, I don't. I'm not sure where it, where it came from. You know, it was uh, it, it was funny. Like early in my career, I kind of found my audience with with country music fans. And, right. Yeah. And country country music is the only form of music that's had. Comedians associated with it, like you don't have rock and roll comics, you don't have no, that's true. Jazz comics, but and, and I think the reason that is is because if you think of every country song is a story, it's you know like yep. I love rock and roll. I love the song Layla. I have no idea what it's about. I can sing <laughs> every word of it. I have no idea what it's about, but it, you know. I was, I I had a lot of, I had nature in that I think I was probably born funny, but both sides of my family, they would sit around and tell stories, and they were, there were a lot of people on both sides that were funny. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way they would pass the evening, is sitting there talking and, you know, telling these funny stories. So I'm sure I,
6: we lose them. Oh, well, he's still on, but looks like the connection might be uh, not so great.
3: Oh,
0: that's too bad. Well, we could certainly take him. Hey, Mike, by the way, you're more than welcome to ask a question. I, I'm not trying to bury you in the... in the.
3: Oh, no, you guys have a, have a good rap going on. And I, I'm just really thinking about, you know, <laughs> how different his South was from the
0: South, my father experienced. Oh, I'm sure. Well, that's, ex- that's exactly the point, Mike. I think it's true. Now, where did, where did your father grow up?
3: Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: That's right. Tulsa, that's but, where you go. But, you
3: know, I mean, he didn't grow up with around people who were telling full stories every day. He grew up around people who were trying to survive the, the bigotry and hatred that surrounded them every day.
5: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's absolutely... It's a
3: little different. And, of course, my father, you know, he, he was... He was uh, older than Jeff's father, and my father grew up during two things that kind of changed history and, and the people who lived in the air and that was the Dust Bowl and the Depression.
0: Right. Mm. <clears throat> no, absolutely. So, and, of
3: course, you know, getting beat up every day by the sons of Nazis didn't, didn't really make him any more uh, amenable to uh, humorous jokes. Uh, it, so it's just, you know, everybody has a different perspective. His was not, and, and also I should point out, my dad was not a funny man. Oh, wasn't he know, really? My dad, he had no sense of humor. Oh well, <laughs> well. I, That's why I've always said that that you know that, that sense of humor, uh, and and a full head of hair skipped generations.
5: <laughs> oh God, is Jeff back? <laughs> yep, <laughs> Jeff is back. My dad Jeff had a full Fox head with... of
3: hair and and no sense of humor. You know, and I and I think I would probably trade. The, the uh, I'd probably trade for that. I'd say, okay, you can have my sense of humor.
0: Now, give me a full head of air. Give me the full head. Jeff Foxworthy, this is Mike Gelfand. Mike and I have been working together for 35 years off and on. Known him forever. Brilliant writer. Very, very funny man. Mike, Jeff, Jeff, Mike. I, I, we only got a couple minutes left here because I don't want to hold Mr. Foxworthy all day. It's so nice of you to call in the first place. But I, I just want to hear a little exchange between the two of you because that's got to be brilliant
7: cross-culture and and, and Mike and Mike you have you have no control over whether you were born you know with the genes to have a head of hair or not and I'm (laughs) really trying to not because I don't either but I'm I am glad I still have hair it's turning gray but I am glad I still have it
6: well my grandpa and my dad both have hair I do not so that's true you never know how it's going to turn out.
3: It's just a random injustice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just,
6: just the universe mocking us is all it is.
7: There's no vaccine you can take. No, no. <laughs> no And no, believe me, I tried. It's no. just, just random injustice. We'll, we'll put it up to that. You,
3: you know, when I found out I was balding was when I started covering uh, a, a professional basketball team.
0: Oh, they look down on you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. They would notice the bald spot before anybody else did.
3: Huh. Yeah, I, I had no idea, but they were, of course, <laughs> given given the fact that my writing offended them, they were very quick to point
0: that <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you got to tell Mr. Foxworthy, Mike. I, you just told it last week, Mike, but I got to I got to push you on it again. Mr. Gelfand, one of the first times we ever appeared on the air together, Jeff uh, came up. He he kind of. I looked in Studio B, Jeff, and there was Mike, and he had his face in his hands. You know, his head's down, his face is in his hands, and he's kind of breathing heavy. And I thought, man, what's, it's some kind of depression, what's going on in what? there? So on the air I said, well,
6: is Jeff still with us? Yep. Oh, I heard that little blip. Although, um, are you there, Jeff? I think he might have dropped out again. I think the signal of where he is, he's in his car right now, it uh-oh. looks like. Aha, <clears throat> uh-huh, there we go. Back once I'm more.
5: I'm here.
0: You're having a ball today, Jeff. Anyway, so Mr. Gelfand, very quickly, uh, I want him to tell you the story about I'm looking at him. We're on the air together. I look at Studio B. He's got his face in his hands. He's kind of looking really, really sad. And on the air in front of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, I said, Mike,
3: what's wrong?
0: And now, Mr. Gelfand, if you tell Mr. Foxworthy what was wrong, I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, I don't know, I had so many neuroses at the time, but yeah. I think it was a combination of, uh, of having basic depression and having to get up like at 4.30 in the morning, which is my bedtime.
0: That'll do it, no question. But it had something to do with, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with uh, your marriage, if I remember correctly.
3: Oh, yeah, well, right. <laughs> we were having some rare problems with the marriage, and it had occurred to me at the time that... Uh, you know I, I, it was one of those epiphanies when I realized that the only thing my wife and I had in common was that we both hated me. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my
0: favorite jokes of all time, and we can close it on anyway. <laughs> Jeff Fox were he coming? To t- <laughs> See, I knew you'd love that joke. See, Mike, I knew to be a hit. Oh, it's the greatest October thirtieth, two shows five p m seven thirty. Isn't it, isn't it the greatest? Jeff Foxworthy will be in town at the Pantages Theater, October 30th. Two shows, five and seven thirty. Jeff, I look forward to seeing you in town. It'll be great to see you.
7: Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me back on. Have a terrific weekend.
0: You too. Thanks very much, Mike. You ready to take a break? We'll jump back. We got a couple. We've got three more guests coming up in the next hour. Looking well, forward to it. It's going well, to Actually, as yes,
6: before we go into break, I am going to bring Adrian up so we can tell him that it's going to be about what three, four minutes until we get to the next segment. Is that okay, Adrian? That is fine. Okay, good. We'll
0: be with you in about three minutes. Right 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 back. Adrian Washington. We'll be with us in three minutes with the family.
1: Take it from Zap, They ship today. And
5: the and
1: Jim,
0: Jimmy Francis.
5: We got Melissa. We got Andy.
0: We got Mike Gelfand. We got Adrian Washington. Adrian, how are you, sir?
9: Not too bad. How you doing, my man?
0: So I'm doing extremely well. So what, what do you got cooking this week? You got to have something going this weekend. You got Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> followed by Adrian Washington. That's some good comedy right there. <laughs>
9: I got i uh, I'm in Annandale this weekend with uh, Elise Cole and uh, Pierre Douglas. We're at Billy Dee's um, Saturday night at eight thirty, and then next week Friday and Saturday, so that's October twenty second and twenty third. I have the great Tony Will or Tony Woods coming, the guy who actually taught Chappelle how to do comedy the right way. God is that.
0: Adrian, you brought it up. I gotta ask you: What is wrong with this world? You're going after Dave Chappelle. These people got to be crazy. Uh,
9: boredom, obsession. Yeah. Uh, you know, I seen something the other day, and it said uh, it's a, a one-sided beef is an obsession. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the crazy part about it is what's he doing that he's never done before. No, that's exactly it. And by
0: the way, he's a comedian, so what we can't be funny anymore. Is that the problem?
9: right? <laughs> it's kind of suck, man, when we gotta uh, when you gotta go to a, oh, we lost him because they're worried about what people think, yeah, and I... oh, that's yeah. somebody who who knows them personally, man. like even if you watch it, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but if you watch it, there's no ill intent, there's no malice, there's no, no nothing. No, there's nothing like that. And Adrian, I brought up the
0: point where I grew up over in North Minneapolis. If somebody was nice to you, it means they either wanted something or they didn't like you. <laughs> That's just a fact right. it would just be nice to you to get you away from this. Yeah, good to see you. Hey, okay, go away. Right. Hey,
9: here's that twenty bucks. I know I'll never see you again. <laughs> That's
0: exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, unless people were ripping you, making fun of you, calling you names, all the rest of it. It just that was man, I, you know
9: what? That's how you knew that was a friend. Yes. I, I tell my kids now. I said, you guys would have never made as fragile as you are. You'd have never made it off my bus stop. No. Oh God,
0: no. Oh, not a chance.
9: To sit in the back of the bus when I was a kid, you really had to know how to hold your own, mm. no, and it good. made like it and it, it, it was great because that's the stuff that gets you through life now.
0: I agree with that. You know, hey, look, if you that's can't stuff laugh, that's the that gets you
9: through. Man. I'm not saying anybody deserves to be bullied, but it's like you gotta have an experience to know how to deal with it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that.
9: If if, if everything is if, if everything in your life is great, man, I, it's going to suck when, when you think you have a problem.
0: Adrian, I tell a story about a friend of mine in high school. I haven't seen him since high school, unfortunately, but his name was Ralph. I don't need to use his last name, but his name is Ralph. He's about a six foot three, six foot four black man in America today. Went to high school with him at North High School. And he came up uh-huh. to me one day, Adrian, he goes like this. He goes, hey, Tommy. I said, yeah, Ralph. He goes, man, Tommy, you're funny. But don't ever make fun of me. <laughs> like, you got it, pal. Yeah, he he wanted to make sure that I, that I was oh, never um, going to make fun of him because he was a little touchy about that. You know what I mean? Do we
9: hold did we... up? I had a malfunction.
0: Oh, you did? Was it the phone or Hello? you? No, is it?
9: <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs> hold on a I'm still there. I can hear you, but my Bluetooth disconnected. Yeah, that,
0: it does that. Yeah, it'll happen once in a while. That's all right. It was, Sorry, it was a great story. It's too, too well, done Okay, we're going to hold. Come on. on. Okay, I'm waiting. We got we we can wait it out. We got can it, hear
9: probably. you. You can hear me? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We can hear you just fine. Hello? Good. Let me try that. <laughs> God. Jimmy, <laughs> That's what he needs. Jimmy doing this now. <laughs> yeah, here's what I like so much. Everybody is dependent as hell on their phone. They can't get away from their phone, and these damn things don't work worth crap.
6: Yeah. It's terrible. They're, they're too complex for their own good. Yeah, they are. Believe You're me, I would right. know. <laughs> i been spending me. the last several months programming for Android, and it's yeah, it's very. It tries to do everything when it shouldn't. I like, hear you. Well, I mean, like literally, it tries to replace every other piece of technology ever created.
5: Oh, this which one is of like you know,
6: it, it started as a phone, and now it's supposed it's this supercomputer that's also a gaming device, that's also a telephone, that's also a business laptop. Yeah. It's like,
0: you know. Yeah. You heard what happened to your mom and me yesterday, right? I did not. Mom and I are going down. Well, I won't even say what street we're going down, but we're driving along on the way home from the podcast, and this woman's coming out of a, a parking lot. She's crossing the oncoming traffic in, coming into our lane. I look over, and she's at a stop sign, just blows right through the stop sign. She's looking down at her phone. She did not look up. Not once. Oh. Your mother literally had to slide sideways with the vehicle, otherwise, she would have just crushed us. She never did look up. She never knew. She almost just yep. rammed Sounds right in. Right. She had no clue she was going to hit somebody because she never looked up. That's illegal,
6: I think. I see that you? a lot. Oh, you see it a lot? A- Everyone you? sees it a lot. It's everywhere. I see that
9: a lot, man. It's uh, scary. How do you drive and not, not look? Like, I know. not look around? I don't know.
0: I don't get it. I see. She never looked up. And Catherine, even when she laid on the horn, because she was honking the horn trying to warn the woman, woman never looked up even when the horn was honking. She didn't care. <laughs> and then we looked over, of course, and we realized she was not only looking at her phone, but she had her little ear earbuds in. So she couldn't hear anything either. Oh,
6: my gosh. (laughs) So you
0: can't see and you can't hear and you're driving a car. Shuffling
6: Spotify or something. Yeah,
0: probably. So, Adrian, we got you back. I'm glad to hear that. So, uh, yeah, I was just telling a very quick story about Ralph saying to me, he's a very big man. He said, Tommy, you're a funny guy, but don't you ever make fun of me. (laughs) I will never forget (laughs) that as long as I live. <laughs> and I did obey, by the way.
9: Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> I did
5: indeed. Adrian,
8: are you going to be in Annandale? This is Jimmy Francis. Annandale, Minnesota? Yeah. So, my brother owns the car dealership up there, Country Chef. I know this is the Walzer deal, but stop in there and kick some tires around <laughs> and then just tell him, nah, not going to do it.
5: <laughs> okay, I'm not buying Six any. hours looking at cars. <laughs> they got soda,
8: <laughs> they got a bunch of stuff up there. Have lunch. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. I would love to be there.
9: Oh, that's, a, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I would
0: so, what's the name? Is it called Country Chef? Country Chef, yeah. Oh, that's good. There you go
9: probably the only one in annandale it's not very big yeah that's right yeah i got a room i do a, I, I do a show every month at billy d's so i, I book mm-hmm. other com with my company one mike entertainment i book other comics and we started doing it last year and it's just been going really great uh i've done a couple fundraisers there great people i knew them from years ago when they used to be cooked at this other um, restaurant bar in saint cloud and one of my friends who was bartending for him was just like man i Got a place for you that you can have like outside of Saint Cloud because I do a monthly show at the red carpet in Saint Cloud too. Mm, okay, I just brought uh, Sam Comro from America's Got Talent. He did September with me for a weekend, and now I got Tony Woods coming. And these tickets for sale on Eventbrite.com. So if you go to Eventbrite, or just make it easy on yourself, go to my website, FunnyManAdrian.com.
0: Funny Man, I was going to use FunnyManAdrian.com. I didn't know you stole it. <laughs>
9: Well, that's why I stole it, Tom. So, you
6: couldn't use it. <laughs> so I
9: couldn't use it.
6: Gotta <laughs> get ahead of the game. Yeah, get
9: ahead, get away You gotta be a little more savvy than that, Tom. <laughs> no, no, you're
0: absolutely right. So, so things going well. You, you, you got uh, your company's doing well. You're, you're appearing constantly. That's great to hear, Adrian. Uh, how, now, you, how long you been married?
9: I've been. It'll be eight years in June.
0: It'll be eight years. Now. I, yeah. th- th- you have a great marriage, you got a great family, all the rest of it. Do you spend a lot of time on the road, and how, how does that work when you have spend a lot of time, you know, you're out on the road and you don't see your family?
9: I tell everybody, like, my wife, This, she knows what she signed up for, basically. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. It's, it's, uh, it's not, like, I started doing it two years ago, and I was just like, I'm gonna start being gone, you know? Um, and it's funny, because my mom says that to me all the time. She's like, oh my gosh, you're always gone. She's like, what's your poor wife gonna do? I was like, well, she's gonna... Do whatever wife does. She's gonna hold the house down till I get back. Right,
5: right.
9: <laughs> the the blessing for me is I don't have to be gone very long. You know, it's not like I'm gone two weeks or three weeks. I'm gone like a couple nights right, or right. four nights, you know what I mean? So and, and and most of the shows, honestly, she can come too if it's if even if it's only like a day where she can come out and be a part of the show.
0: That does it, yeah. We didn't lose him again, did we?
9: Another
8: Bluetooth issue?
0: Yeah, I think it might be. Okay, why don't, we, why don't we take the break here and come back. And, uh it's
6: only nine minutes
0: in. Oh, I know, but what are we going to do? Wait it out? I don't know. You know, we can't really wait it out. Lots why, lots happen let's again. see
8: what we was going to say. let's yeah, no all here, see what he was going to say. Yeah, let's,
0: let's do the break here, and we'll come back and do the last segment. Uh, it'll be a long longer segment. Okay. All right, we'll be right back. Four nine one six five two seven. That's continuum, C O N T I N U U M, continuumweightwellbeing.com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Well Being, Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The next governor of the great state of Minnesota, Jimmy Francis, with us.
8: Lieutenant governor. God damn it! I, try,
0: I try, try to get by with the whole governor thing. So you I'm, just don't want to be governor.
8: Nobody like like Jit said yesterday. Nobody shoots number two.
6: <laughs> well, <that's> very, <laughs>
8: you know, very so correct. let's just
6: stick with that. And that has there ever been a gross. vice presidential assassination? Never. I don't think I there don't, has. I never think so. No, I yeah, don't think so. That's been actually I'm not saying. something I've ever thought of before. But yeah.
5: <laughs>
10: Yeah, uh, that has been a saying for years that, you know, I want to be number two. That's why nobody knows who the hell we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maharajas have been here for five, five decades, guys, and I don't think anybody knows, even yourself. Everybody has knows where Maharaja is. never been there. High-times, Maharajas, I mean, people... I never admit to it. anymore. Anyway. he's like not like a high time kind of guy, though. <laughs> That's yeah. true. But you know, we carry music, we carry everything. Posters, just, T-shirts. Yeah. I create, but we created fun for this country. Seriously, Pokemon swords. cards. It's swords. Swords, Tom, yes, not swords, yeah. but swords. But Tom, yeah, LeBron if you ever, James. If you guys, ever, yeah, I have LeBron James. Got yeah. Everything in the store. If you ever walked in, it's like being fifty years of uh, Americana because I love America, I been over there, I been had a chance to collect this stuff, and just growing up.
5: Wait a minute,
0: stuff. you love America, you're not a white guy, what's wrong with you?
10: <laughs> <laughs> and not only I love America, I even pay taxes. You do? I pay so much taxes, but everybody goes. You know, we're business people, I'm just saying, I might get in trouble. But we're business people, that's why we have CPAs, That we have, that's why we have accountants. Yeah. So when people get upset at Trump and I'm not Trump lover or anything, no, don't get in politics. But he was a businessman. We want to pay the fair amount of taxes that we are forced to. You know, that's why CPAs right. and accountants do it. So when you're surprised that somebody tried not to pay his taxes, you know, legally, why are you upset? That's where those loopholes are, right? Well, I mean,
0: look at what they're doing now in in Washington. I mean, my God, Nancy Pelosi (laughs) buys how many shares of Tesla stock, and then all of a sudden we discover, well, you can't drive a gasoline-powered vehicle. Oh, is that why you bought all the Tesla stock? You know that guy's worth a quarter of a trillion dollars now? Wow. It's quite a bit of money. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Good for him. He's worth, well, actually, it's $224 billion. It's not quite a quarter of a trillion. I think we may
6: have Adrian back. It's kind of hard to tell.
0: I'm back. Okay, good. All right, we'll just we'll just kind of float in and out with this thing, Adrian. It, it works. Mike oh, Gelfand's right. there too, but I haven't I heard him pipe up yet. I
9: got in the house and got yet.
0: on my computer real quick. You got what? I
9: got
0: in the house and got on my computer. Okay, yeah, that will oh, so think, think. Yeah, probably work better. But we have uh, some guests in the studio, so Adrian just join in the conversation. And Mr. Gelfand, obviously, you can jump in any time you want because yeah, I you
3: know, I'm just
0: enthralled. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, nice try. Here we go. Wow. Here we go. Now I'm just trying to talk Jimmy Francis into running for governor, but he won't do it.
6: <laughs> he won't.
8: Get, no. I would on a Gelfand ticket.
6: Oh, there you, oh go. you and Gelfand?
0: Huh? I'd oh. be
8: great number two, Gelfand.
6: That'd be quite the
0: ticket. <laughs> yep. Governor Gelfand and Lieutenant Governor <laughs> Francis. Oh, the things
8: we could get done. <laughs>
3: yeah. we could go on the uh, on the uh, Grumpy ticket. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that well, you came could out be the you,
8: see. That's again where we would uh, be oh. yin and yang for each other. Mm-hmm. He could be the grumpy, I could be the positive. Oh, there you, you go. Know,
0: so the that's you know, okay? yeah. I'm just
8: not a grump. You, man. You're not yeah, grumpy, at all. but
10: you know, Jimmy, you can always have the next prize, right? Number two, run the temple.
8: Yeah. I mean, if we don't the become
10: the too. lieutenant governor, let's run the temple.
8: Run the temple. We bring peace like a, and
10: love a, a, to St. Paul. Would that be like a temper, <laughs> temple emperor? Or what temple be? emperor, yeah. yes, that's
0: exactly what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> being the
10: temple keeper. You can be the emperor. <laughs> oh.
0: So I have to tell you a story from yesterday. I had a, I had a meeting yesterday, and I'm at this uh, meeting with several other people, and I'm having a nice time and all the rest of it. And this guy was, like, staring at me the whole time. Because, you know, I just lost 100 pounds and people don't even know it's me anymore. But (laughs) I didn't know if he knew who I was or he didn't or whatever. Yeah, Adrian, I've lost 101 pounds, man.
3: So you lost me.
0: I lost lost Gelfand. That's exactly right. I lost Mike
9: Gelfand. How the the hell did you do that,
0: Tom? Uh, I walk anywhere between 10 and 13 miles a day. I only eat two meals a day. I kind of... I kind of watch the carbohydrates. That's what I do bake. 'Cause Because people think you got to watch two things. you got to watch carbohydrates and salt, cause salt. Well, And salt's not going to make you gain weight, but it will hold on to water weight, so you think you're gaining weight, and it kind of sets you on a bad path. But no, it's, it, it actually wasn't that hard to do. It was a thing called ProfilePlan.com, and it, it all worked out really, really well for me. But, you know, what the hell.
10: Yeah, you do look good. Yeah, I be for me. First Don't, thing I, came I, in, I, I saw I the look at in you. your
0: eye. You said, You look good for you. That's what you
8: said. Uh, <laughs> so, did the, the guy recognize <laughs> you? <laughs>
0: no. <here>. The, <laughs> well, he still did, still yeah. <laughs> well, it is still a cop. Yeah, that's right. So, here's what, here's what happened. So, we're done with the meeting, all the restaurant. We're walking out. And he comes up to me and he goes, Hey, can I ask you a question? I said, Yeah. He goes, are, are you Tom Bernard, aren't you? And I said, Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, I got to ask you a question. And I figured he's going to ask about gas or this or any other thing. I said, yeah, whatever, what's your question? He goes, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? He goes, I hear some of the shit that you say on the air. Are you crazy? And he just walked away. <laughs> so I, I don't it's know. A legitimate th- question. What uh, What do you mean, Adrian? It's a legitimate question. What the hell's <laughs> that mean? But it is. It is a legitimate question. Yes, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't even deny that that's probably true. Um but, you know, it all works out in the end.
8: We're all a little crazy. Nobody,
9: no, nobody not crazy, never made a difference,
0: huh? No, that's a very good point. That's a great way to put 100%. it. 100%. It's a great <laughs> way to put it. There's no question. So, Jet, what what's the latest now? We get, I got to bring this up, and I don't want to bring this up, but we got to talk about important issues here. One of my favorite areas in the world, not just in Minnesota or in the Twin Cities or in the United States, whatever, that block you're on has always been one of my favorite I just love walking down West Seventh Street. I always have, you know. And then you got Tommy Reed there, and you got the Eagle Street there, and you got, you know, the truck stop, and you got. There's an Italian place there that you can't remember <laughs> the name of, you know.
7: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I
0: know you. Yeah. But I love that. And what I hear, from what I understand, they found the young woman, that beautiful young woman who was killed, right in front of Cassetta, Is that right?
10: Yeah. That's where It's they just her body. crazy. Yeah.
0: What is this all about? I mean. We had a story this morning on the Lindale and Broadway. My mother worked on that corner for, for decades as a waitress at Merwin Drugstore. Now I get to look at that corner because this guy opened up fire on a crowd with a machine gun yesterday. And a machine Whoa. gun, and he just drives by an SUV and just sprays bullets. It's like, what the hell is that?
10: Wow. Well, so, I've lived over here for 52 years. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's not familiar to you at all. Too many guns. It's that's the wrong all.
0: people with the guns or just too many just guns? Just the
10: wrong people with the guns because nobody, the chief, couldn't stop somebody that wants to carry a gun illegally or, you know, how do you control them? Yeah. So the people that were there. And you know what?
9: With, with the people that's doing that kind of shooting, they'll... They don't give a damn about having a license for a gun. No, they don't. You,
6: well, you can't get a... If, he, if yeah. he actually had a machine gun, you're not allowed <laughs> to just carry those around no, no matter what. No, Unless you're military, That's full true. autos are not legal, except under very and, specific know, circumstances.
9: There's, there's there's way too many uh, machine guns over North Minneapolis for some
6: reason. Oh, you got that right. They got their Tech Nines or whatever, which, yeah, they're not yeah. supposed to. Have. Those are all black market, every last one.
8: Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have him come yeah, and talk absolutely. about Maharajis because what they're trying to do at the temple is bring the love and the peace. They've been across the street forever, forever of that yep. situation, and he's got yep. his doors open ready for the love. And, and I, what you were telling me before is St. Paul, the cops couldn't do that. The mayor can't do that on his own. It needs everybody, and, and if everybody just did a little love and a little peace and and uh, come come together a little more, that, I think that was your message to me, to. here for this uh, interview, right?
10: We've been doing this from day one. We've been trying to take care of young people. That's what we stood for. (laughs) When I came to this country, it was July 4th, 1970, and Reagan was... uh, No, I'm sorry. Nixon. We just Mm -hmm. had the Kent State. And so there was a big rally in Washington. So people were fighting this from day one. I was 21 years old. And beautiful country. And then here, 52 years later sitting talking about these guns. Nobody had guns when I was growing up. No. I you remember, that. they had chains and baseball bats, and now, you can't, I don't know what's going on. Seriously, people are just so touchy that, you know, you this joke. Of, a
9: lot of it, honestly, too, man, is think about, like, because a lot of, it seems like a lot of the younger generation is doing it, and you got to think about the games they have played in the last 10 to 15 years. I agree
10: with you 100%.
9: Now, let me
0: point something out about this crowd. We're, we got Mike Gelfand, a nice Jewish boy. We got Jed from <laughs> India. We got Adrian, who's black. And then we got Jimmy Francis, who's a horrible human being.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so diverse.
5: Yeah, well, okay. we're point so counterpoint. We're, we're so diverse <laughs> here.
4: <laughs> there. But well, you're wrong.
9: It's all you know, the whole just, thing is me. I was just talking to a friend of mine about that before I actually got on with you guys. And I used to work at my old junior high school, and I still go over to the high schools. And it's they—they they have no communication skills. They're literally a shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, that too. is true. Yep, you know hundred percent. I mean? Like they, they don't know how to manage their emotions. So it's they're—they're they're so fragile. You know what I mean? Like it's like you—you mm-hmm. you hurt me, or I feel you did something wrong to me. So this is all I know to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why I think a lot of us who are older and who've been through some stuff, that's why we got to keep talking. Like, if you get one kid to listen, then it, then it was worth talking. You know what I mean? Like, they're all yeah. not going to listen. Yep. It's, so, but, Adrian,
10: this is what the Maharaja stands for. That's why we're building this temple downtown St. Paul. It's not like a uh, non-profit. It's for profit. And I think, Jimmy, Jimmy, could you talk about that to them, about the temple what we're building? Well, see, Jit likes
8: me to be the frontman for him because I say things so eloquently.
6: No, oh, I don't think
4: there's
8: any question <laughs> about that. That's this, just a gimmick. Can I give it a spin? Because
10: he's white. <laughs>
5: he's a white guy. <laughs> he's a, he's a white. They listen That's to him.
10: With Indian, they look at me and they think the guy's from India. He hangs around with young people. What the hell he knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, seriously, this has been fifty he's years of my life. Somewhere. I love that. So, but he does. He's listened to me, and I think a knee, a team. To put this into effect, I'm 74 years old. I am nobody that I'm responsible for, mm. other than just St. Paul. I'm all in with St. Paul. Everything I own no, is I know in St. Paul. You, e- but I'm just saying, everything I own is there. So our goal is to, you know, I have no choice. We've got to make it better. We just
0: call him Honky, now instead of Jimmy.
8: <laughs> <laughs> um, honky Francis.
10: But what he's doing at the temple, and he's told,
8: he's advised me that I can invite you to come and sit oh, in the front window have and have a have that. a meal. That's uh, I'll, I'll cook you a meal, and you guys sit there and look at the stuff. We still got to do that. And you st- got to get that a
0: podcast going.
8: Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we can We're do all that, all, all that. But at his uh, the temple, it's really a a bazaar. It's really a inside market where he wants to put people to work. If you have talents and arts and stuff to sell, come and come to the temple yeah, and have great. a little booth and do your thing. And give people opportunities, give people hope, give people a place to check in with. You can buy the stuff, as he says, online. All the stuff that's in his store is online. And that's mm-hmm. how they've survived through the pandemic is people right. are buying the stuff online and having it shipped to their house, which is great. Is. But he's 74. He needs people to see people. He needs...
10: He, he going to die of loneliness. Yeah, he, just,
5: <laughs> he loves
10: the youth. The
8: youth have kept him young. The youth have, you know, he's always focused on the eighteen to twenty-three, that yeah. age group where you, you're not, you don't have to be responsible. But then once you're done with college and you got to get a job, and then you got to have kids or whatever, all that stuff comes. But that pure age in between there, where you can do whatever you want, go hang out at the temple. And, you know, look at stuff and Google this and buy things that you shouldn't be buying and, you know, like, uh, what I mean like that is like the swords or the... Um... Yeah, so would buy it, <laughs> well, a sword. He's got, you know, there the armor. Goes. He's got armor down there. He's got, I mean, there's so much stuff that this man, this group, this temple has collected over the years. It's super cool to go in there and look at it. And if you're just a concert goer and you go to the temple before the concert, how f- cool, because it's the, it's the rock and
10: roll headquarters. It's the hippies... Make up for the hippies. Make up for the hippies. My whole goal is eighteen to twenty three. You know the blank. You can write your own software, you can put things the right things in there. Right. Keep them out of the system. Show them there's other ways of doing this. Andy, mm-hmm. you would
0: love Maharaja, by the way. Seriously, there's so many fascinating things in there. You'd it love looking like around. It. Oh, no, you'd love it. I'm telling you. I swear, we have
10: Pokemon, we have Magic the <laughs> Gathering. How did have, you know he likes
0: that stuff, Jim? I that's know, These good. are
10: my kids. They grew up. How old are you? 30, 31, 28? Uh, 35. So, see, you see me as my son. So, definitely, yeah, I grew up
6: in that whole era. And so, of, I have
10: original, yeah. I have a few alpha cards and all that crap. You know, I mean, some, that's how I became rich. <laughs> yeah. You know, because oh, that it's we cute. knew posters, posters we wanted, from yeah. Yeah.
8: so yeah. many bands that you would
10: know. I mean, oh, yeah.
8: it, it just we pulled one out from the Beatles
10: yesterday, all yeah.
8: signed. It's like wow. he's got so it all.
10: I wanted to bring you. Uh, we brought you a poster for the Temple. You have the first poster. I made it one of one. That's amazing. And you enjoyed this. We just we did this. My daughter, she got passed with uh, five years Jimmy's ago. Jimmy's digging
0: through it now. He's gonna, so he's my daughter disappear. got killed yeah.
10: five years ago. Your daughter stayed, did? Yeah, what and did? she was no, 21, was. and oh, this was God. her store. But it happened, you know, and that brought all the memories back with this woman. Why uh, dude, oh, yeah. It hurt my heart. <clears throat> and so uh, if you were going to do this, that was my daughter's idea in mind. Oh, mine. my God, look at that. So that's yours. And it's signed by the artist, and I even signed it.
0: <laughs> well, I had to have you sign it. it oh, not cool. Say and I
10: have extra ones for you guys, you know. But nobody has that. That's the first time anybody's ever seen it.
0: That's wonderful. So I
10: just, since Jimmy's been, I'm one of those guys, I'm a recluse. I don't go out too often. I don't either. And I'd like to hide, but now that's <laughs> it. But it's <laughs> giving it right me a way. chance with this, the, the streaming. Can I tell them about the best of times, amen? That's how I stream. Mm-hmm. And if they go on there, that's gonna be a new channel. Jimmy's gonna be on there. We want you to come over, you. Come we'll join us, please. And there's nothing I need. I've already got everything that I want. We just one giveaway. You know, now yeah. it's time to give. I'm at that age. I have mm. nobody that I'm responsible for. Is that cool?
5: Yeah. you not be responsible for anything. <laughs> at my age, you can
10: He's only back give. back to that give, give. 18 to 23-year-old mm-hmm. life, I right? Yeah, and that's when, you know, I love those kids because they, we can tell, ask them, and they're listening. And they have no worries at that time right now because mm. they're still going to college, after 24 they find our responsibility they give up on mr jit and they go quit going to maharajas because they have to pay bills so they can't spend money like they when you are young
0: does it bother you guys a lot i mean maharaja has been there how many years now 50
10: close to five decades yeah close 46 to six years there 46 75 years. is when we started <laughs> across oh yeah town. 75 okay so prince used to come to my store we've always been connected with him mm-hmm and so i still have more paraphernalia from him than anybody probably in the country
0: i can give you my whole conversation i had with him you want to hear my
10: conversation I would love I had with to. prince none.
0: <laughs> i was at a friend's house and prince was there and he walked past me and i looked at him and he went hi that was it
2: that's it. <laughs> that was the whole conversation so Cool. at least you like got that.
0: that but it literally was uh, it was like I'm, I'm going to let a little air out with the high, but that's about it. So,
10: Tom, it. we have a t shirt. It says, I don't know. And the other thing it says is if you're rich and famous, you don't need Jim. You, need
5: <laughs> you so don't from need Jim. Like
10: if you've already made it, what do you need us for? You know, we're looking for the next young kid that wants to be Prince. So, I knew Prince when he was 17. He used to come to our store. Right, oh, yeah. Because we were across from First Avenue. I right. own yep. all those buildings yep. across where Timberwolves are. Mm-hmm. So we were blessed somehow. You know, nothing by design so stupid. What do I know? So somehow you know, the uh, universe You know, I was out.
3: the only journalist allowed on the set of Purple Rain. <laughs> oh,
10: that's really?
3: right. <laughs> that's you, my print story. yeah. So they I, made the uh, movie in my building, the Adrian. LA times.
10: So, Adrian, they made the movie in my building. Apollonia's apartment was in my building.
5: Really?
10: Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I said mm-hmm. that was called, uh, we were High Times. And it was across from First Avenue. So every picture you see of the First Avenue from the right. front, that was taken from my building.
9: I was on
3: the set for about five minutes. And uh, and then uh, there was a break, and uh, Chick came over to see me. You know, when Chick comes over to see you, you pay attention, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: You remember Chick? Oh, Chick sure. Hunsbury, Chick Huntsbury. yeah. That was his bodyguard. Yep. Former professional wrestler. He's only about seven and, foot seven. Uh, he was uh, he was a scary guy. He was. And uh, I felt you know I felt a tap on my shoulder, um, but you know it felt a little more than a tap. Probably because his <laughs> hands were the size of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I looked up and I saw this guy and I thought hmm, this should be interesting. And uh, he said you got to go. I said w- what? What do you mean? We just. <laughs> What do you mean I have to go? He said, Prince says you got to go. He says you looked at him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, there you, that's exactly right. Right
5: there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm writing a story for the L.A. Times, you know, and I'm not supposed to look at him. <laughs> him. Well,
6: why would you do something like that, Mike?
3: Yeah, I'm, to I, look you
6: know, at a guy? What is wrong and, uh, with you?
3: And I was so grateful to be kicked out of there because it's the last place I wanted to be anyway, you know. But I got my little scene, and then I got out of there, and I had a good story to tell and um as uh you know as i recall my but my friend Neil Carlin you know who wrote the definitive sure. book about print Yep. it's and it's doing very well by the way i gotta say a nice word about that um, you know he included that in his in his in his story in his book, but it's a great book if if you uh, if anybody wants to read about print if they think they don't know everything there is to know about prints uh yeah, it's called, uh, this thing called Life is the main title of the book. Neil Carlin.
0: I can't believe that Neil hasn't been on the KQ Morning Show about that. Why hasn't he come on?
3: Uh, I don't know. He's He's been working, and it seems like this book, it's been published, it was published a while back.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: It seems he's always got to be working on some project connected with the publicity and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know, but I should uh, I should tell him that, you know. You should come on I both give shows, a call.
0: morning show and this show. That'd be great. Neil's a very nice guy, really good
3: guy, terrific guy. Well, you know he tolerates me, so you know he's a good guy. <laughs>
0: so he and I have that in common. We're really nice because we tolerate you. That's perfect. Yeah,
3: that's, that's kind of like you
0: know that's to me that's the litmus test. <laughs> Whether yeah. we like you or not, that's the litmus test. <laughs> to I <like> him. To him. <laughs> yes, to him. That's the litmus test. Now those are great stories, honestly, God. Adrian, did you ever meet uh, Prince? I
9: didn't. Never I did. I tell you what, though, when we moved to Minnesota from Mississippi, we knew two things for sure. It got cold as hell and Prince lived here. That's all we knew.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like if you talk to anyone outside of Minnesota, you tell them from, you're from Minnesota, there's a pretty good chance they're going to say, oh, that's where Prince is from.
9: Yeah. I was like, true. Well,
6: yes, that is true, but, you know, I'm not related to him true. or anything, so... Yeah, it didn't help me none. No, <laughs> it didn't help but me
10: But somehow, none. we were always connected with Prince. I don't know why. But mm-hmm. he did and the movie. shop was great. He did the movie, the movie over great. there. And then the Glam Slam was in the Wyman right. Building. Yep. And we had the whole fourth floor. Because I had wholesale businesses right. and all. right. So it was just, we would always run into him. And like I told you, you know, he was just somebody that my brother knew really well and he'd hang around with them. But again, very, very private. So, oh, he was very, very proud. Right? So it somehow it's always been connected with us, it seems. It's
0: a hell of a sad story when you think that he actually almost died on his airplane, just a few weeks before he actually did die. That why they couldn't rein that in. I, I suppose if if he if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it. Huh?
10: But Tom, huh, seriously, my daughter died one month after we did his celebration, exactly one month to the date. oh She got, got killed. She got, she got killed. killed. Yeah. And God. she we had just done the celebration she was part of my company you know she owned Maharajas mm-hmm. because I'd how given old it to her how old? 21. 21 So there was it, it'll be five years uh, November 18 so I'm not so my goal is she came to me one time in my dreams a few years ago maybe it's a story too high maybe so I, I don't know but she told me, you know you have so much love for me for one person but I'm dead you don't need me so give it away. Just pass it on. So that's yeah. what we are doing. <clears throat> what a story. And when I saw this beautiful woman across the street, yeah. all these people yeah. come to my store. Talk. What did
8: you write down there? You wrote yeah. some stuff that day, and you dated
10: it. Soon. So here, see, this is what I wrote down, if you want. This is how the whole thing changed for me that day.
0: It says, Jimmy Francis owes me $100,000. <laughs>
10: Yeah. is that what it says? I thought that's what it said here. It's
8: just yeah. you know. Let alone, Clerk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's what it says actually. As of Sunday, I don't know if I can get through this.
10: Oh yes, you will. I mean, come right. on. We're not being serious show. We won't love that.
0: Tomorrow is the one year anniversary of the death of my youngest brother.
10: He oh, died one year see, ago
0: tomorrow. Man. It's tough, man. Yeah. And I found out one day before he died that he was dying. Uh, Nobody ever told me. See uh, well he didn't ever tell anybody. It just, I found out he was going to die, and the next day he did die. And, and that's one year ago tomorrow. Sid Hartman died two days after that on the 17th.
10: That's crazy. Oh yeah, that's right. <clears throat> he did. So, absolutely. so yeah, just like was, my daughter died, you know, just she was with me night, just like this kid, she was gone in the morning. Yeah. And so yeah. how do you do this thing? So you know, I don't think I've ever grieved over this. I don't know how. Just what are you, you supposed know, since, to do? What do you do? His
3: death was a real shock because. He had just been to the Mayo Clinic uh, a couple weeks earlier for his annual autopsy, and they said. everything <laughs> was wrong. God, Gilbert, you're the worst human
6: being of all time. There's no getting around it. His <laughs> annual
8: autopsy.
6: was hundred. I mean,
5: 100 years, yeah, it's pretty oh old. old. That's
6: that's
0: a good. Idea. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get through this. This is very sweet. As of Sunday, everything changed. More urgency, fragility of life, live in the moment, stay young, have fun. Life is for the living, so live. That's beautiful.
10: That's is nice, isn't
8: That's it? Beautiful. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
8: Well, and again, he's looking at, out the window of the temple. Did call him a guinea? <laughs> no. Again, again,
0: oh, again, <laughs> again, he,
8: again, he,
5: again, He's
8: looking out the window of the temple at this tragedy across the street, yeah, and yeah. that comes to his mind. So I mean, he—that's where his heart is and his mind is, and it's hopefully it, that can, yeah. you know, help Saint Paul and people, and uh, actually Minnesota, if they, if they wanted to, is, uh, yeah. tune into the to the temple at Maharaj's.
10: It would be fun, and I mean, this is from the heart. I won't give everything away. I'm tired, because this is just craziness. Fifty-two years being there. So we want to make a little change. Like what you started with, if one person you can change, it, how cool is this? And we did this all our life. I know artists, I've always given them money. Right, right. Always took them in when they were young. Stay young, have fun. Now some of these are world known, they cool. These are guys that are making million dollar deeds now. Mm-hmm. And they were all my kids. <laughs> It so is a great story. It's fun. It's
0: what America should be, though. Hundred percent. I'm it's the best yeah. example
10: of the America. If you guys ever want to see somebody who made it, I'm more American than most Americans. No, that's As I appreciate yep. this country, what happened, what it. This is the only country, Tom. You can come from India, Bangladesh, Ethiopia, and you can become American. Yeah. It, yeah. Where else could you go and say that? Can you become Canadian? No. You, know, no, you know, I, that's only true. Yeah in this country, we go over there, he's white American, you might be black American, but don't. nobody says that. It's just American.
0: No, just American, that's exactly. No, you're it's absolutely a, right about that. I
10: love that. this country. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I do too, and I talk about it all the time. And, and I, I once again, I, Adrian, you're on the phone. We got Jit in studio here. Mike Gelfand is on the phone as well, but I just, this whole, st- why we in 2021 are still pointing out skin color, instead yes. of trying to bring it together, you bring it up to tear it apart. I just don't understand why we do that now. You want to bring up skin color, let's bring us together, not separate us even further. Why is that? Look, here's an example. My wife gets to travel a bit. uh, You know, I'm working so I don't get to go anywhere, but you know. But she was in India a few years ago. And all these people lined up to take a picture with her. And my wife is about just short of six feet tall. She's got blondish red hair. She's very tall and thin. Just like
10: my ex-wife.
0: Same story. Maybe she is your ex-wife. Who knows? But anyway, so she's taking pictures, and she was wondering why everybody wanted a picture with her, because there were there were lines of people lined up to take a picture with her. And they found out that the people in India thought that she was Julia Roberts.
5: Oh, cool. <laughs> she doesn't
0: look anything like Julia so Roberts. I take the photo. She <laughs> Sign some I take right, the photo. she was white.
10: Sign some stuff. She's white. She's a honky. So we yeah. used to call them, the, you know, like my ex-wife would go, Diane. I would never call her ex, mother of my children. So yeah, when sure, she'd go right, to right. India, they would run after her. Gori Mame, mm-hmm. Gori Mame, that means beautiful white woman. Give us money, so she give us th- money. yeah she would give it to them. Anybody calls you, go, you know, would not you do it? So, but how many people
0: would tell my she wife do that when it? She
9: gets work.
0: <laughs> there you go, there you have it.
10: But yeah, no, but she Sorry. she said
0: they were so incredibly
10: we love polite Americans.
0: and kind to her. She will never forget how kind the people in India were to
10: her. We love Americans. I used to bring Americans. To all these I used to have uh, my best friend in the sense who mentored me, his name was Ken Logan. He was part of the Peace Corps, and then, oh, okay. this is when I was 14 years old. Then he became the head librarian of Berkeley. I checked him out, oh, and God. he brought me in and taught me. i always loved America.
0: You know one of my favorite stories that my wife tells me about being in India? She said, you have to go sometime just to watch the animals in the traffic. She said, the animals stand on the curb, and look to their left down the street <laughs> and time it when they can run across the street and not get hit. She said it's amazing. It's like pigs, cows, everybody. They just look down the street and go, okay, we can go now.
8: It'll <laughs> oh, be fun.
0: She said it's amazing. She, it, she said it was just a ball to watch it. Yeah, Because they get it all just timed out perfectly.
10: So next time you want to go over there, I have a house in New Delhi. You
0: have a house in New Delhi? Yeah, oh, I didn't get to go.
10: I understood that, but I'm <laughs> saying next time you want to go. You can take your wife and go take a trip. What are you waiting for? Uh, you know, only work 16 hours for? a day. That might have but that's what I'm saying. So that's why I work, seeing where we have to stop at some time. No, you're right. I'm exactly. right
0: Yes, sir.
3: Um, you know, I was just reminded, you know, uh, you were talking about Julia Roberts. I was thinking about the movie Pretty Woman. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know who David Feldman is? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. right. Tom, he's been on the morning show a number of times.
5: hmm mm-hmm.
3: And uh, he's got a he's got a great uh, story he tells uh, about this would be of course many years ago about uh, he and his wife uh, you know it's kind of date what night and there wasn't much going on so they had never seen Pretty Woman so they decided that they would uh, you know they would they would watch Pretty Woman they would stream it you know from the bedroom. Lie back, relax, have a glass of wine. So uh, they watched the movie. After the movie, he said to his wife, You know, honey, (laughs) I I just don't think we could find someone who'd pay a million dollars, you know, to sleep with you. But, (laughs) But he said, you know... That's terrible. Well, he said, I, but, I, but I think we could get fifty thousand people to pay twenty dollars. Oh, month. sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Gelfin, you're a horrible human being. I just want you to know. Hey,
3: you know, I mean, that's I've said some terrible things, but, yeah, but not that not bad. bad. Not <laughs> that bad. No, I'm just bad. passing it on as a, as a casual observer.
5: <laughs> a casual observer. Oh is my this, God!
8: Is this a car show thing? I mean, because he does have a story of his first car. I know that was. Oh, of we things.
5: absolutely oh. have to hear about his
0: yeah, first car. Yeah, that's a bad idea. We found out Jeff Foxworthy today. Jeff was on the first hour, and Jeff Foxworthy, great comedian, said that he, his first car was a 1971 green Pinto with one white quarter panel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the I Pinto, see. pretty classy. Ooh, what a great car! Which
8: quarter panel did he say?
0: Back left. I Back think left. Yeah. yeah. I can picture right. it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can picture it now. All right, Jit, first So co-
10: when I came to this country, this is, again, 4th of July, 1970, didn't know anything, what was going on. The city was all empty. They were all uh, by the lakes. I had no idea. So I'm going, Sandy Johnson, say, what the hell did I do to you? I'm from New Delhi, right? Mm-hmm. So my story starts. So I moved in. Finally, I got settled in, moved in with some kids uh, to stay there. And they were from the different countries. And I lived on some of the, the worst apartments you can ever see on Park Avenue. They used to be mm-hmm. brownstones. So all these kids were living there, and somehow I got a place with them. And they had to leave the country because the immigration had told them re- they were working and they got caught so they had to leave the country. Oh, sure. So I had just bought a Volkswagen Bug, because that's what all the hippies did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I bought this, and I think I paid $800 and probably had 70,000 miles on it. God. And we got into this, because they, these kids had to leave the country, and so, we went to Canada, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Oh, sure. And so there was one kid was Lakshman, another was Pradeep, I think, two kids. One was from Nepal, one from India, and another guy. So we go over there, and from there, one went to uh, Mississippi to go to college. Another one went, went somewhere else because they had to come back to America. Mm-hmm. Had, those days, it wasn't that strict. You go to Canada, you could come back. Mm-hmm. And so we're going past customs, going over there. This little car comes in, and I lost the muffler or whatever you guys call it. So it was making noise like a truck. And so here's a little Volkswagen comes in over there. So the custom guy says, we were looking for a big semi coming in. And so finally <laughs> Three Indian guy is in. in a Volkswagen. <laughs> so that's my story. I come back over here, I think six months later, I sold it for more money than I made. we took the speedometer and put it back it wasn't it
5: wasn't
10: wasn't illegal those days and i had no idea they did it because in india they used to do this all the time oh yeah so the guy goes and i was so stupid because i just they did it we sold it but it still said like you know sixty thousand dollar oil changed when they changed oils and all that right right, right. they're was in there so the guy comes to me hey I said, look, you buy it, it's done, it's final." <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a gun, I'm assuming. But no, this is in 1970. It was all peace and love. It was all peace and love. So love the again. guy was buying the Volkswagen was probably another hippie, you know. Probably true. But I would never do it again. But they changed the law after that, just so you know. No, you <laughs> can't do that. Just so yeah, you, you know. You can't
0: do that. I'm <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Now, Adrian, uh, tell us about heard. your appearance again this weekend. Where are you headed?
9: I'm at Billy D's Cricket Tavern in Annandale, Saturday night at 8.30 with uh, Elise Cole and Pierre Douglas. And then next weekend, uh, the 22nd and the 23rd, I have the legend Tony Woods um, who actually just performed on Tiffany Hatter's second season of Day Ready uh, coming to St. Cloud the 22nd and 23rd at the red carpet. Both tickets are for sale. Uh, One's $15 for Annandale, 20 bucks for the Tony Woods show. And at two-nighter, you can get tickets from funnymanadrian.com.
0: Very good, sir. Funnymanadrian.com. Mr. Gelfand, what do you got?
3: Well, I got a dental appointment. <laughs> okay, <laughs> dental appointment. That's good. Glad to hear it.
0: Well, thank you very much. I'll be
3: doing some great molar. Uh, I have a great molar act. You know, I do. Uh, I do about a five-minute molar thing. It's pretty funny.
0: I'm glad to hear. Now, when are you and uh, Jimmy Francis going to get together on the governor lieutenant governor deal?
8: Let's have lunch. Well,
3: you know, I'm going to have to have him vetted first. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely.
5: <laughs> after no, no, no. all that, after all Tom said about you today. Yeah,
0: That's exactly right. <laughs> Jed, it's great to see you again. You know, you're, you've always been a very happy man. I like
10: that. I'm thankful, man. Everything that's yeah, been given to us, I appreciate every every second of my life. I'm thankful I came to America. I'm glad I never went back. You know, I enjoyed Damn. this country. Everything has been given to me. And I have everything I can ever want. I don't
0: know if everything's been given to you. I think well, you no, earned uh, it.
10: But I'm just saying it was available to me. Yeah, it was to available. It. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Because we had the chance. So and we took it. I went to St. Thomas. I uh, have degrees from there. And he went to St. Thomas. Did you? For so like you know my, two years. <laughs> you know, I didn't
6: graduate, I, but I went.
10: But I did graduate, and we used to pay five hundred dollars for semester when I went yeah. in 1972, and now A kids pay, now. Yeah, we were in the streets because See. it went up to five fifty. I yeah. swear, in 1972, we were mm-hmm. protesting. They had raised it by fifty dollars. Was it now thirty? So it's thirty. 30 yeah. <laughs> I don't know about no, that, that much. much. What? I can probably find out. There are
0: some colleges in America seventy-seven thousand dollars a
5: year. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. So see, I told uh, my kids.
10: Don't <coughs> don't let your parents sign up loans for you. You stupid no. bastards. Eighteen. <laughs> yep. No. Seriously, you're eighteen years old, and what do your parents know? Are you Signing loans for fifty thousand mm-hmm.
6: dollars. Oh, same time. Yeah, thirty-seven thousand per year. There, there you go, and it was. Five hundred when,
10: 500 when I went there, uh, no graduated ridiculous. in December of 1972. I was in a hurry. No, it was 19. Like <laughs> 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 He's <laughs> like when I went like to the
3: University of Minnesota, they paid me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Especially when I left, they paid me.
10: There you go.
0: Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's great to have you in. Melissa, thanks for coming in today. Andy, great job as always. Jimmy, we got Mike. We got Governor, Lieutenant Governor. We got uh, Adrian can run the police department. That'll be phenomenal. There you go. The state police. What do you think, Adrian? You and the state police. I'm with it. I like it. Jit, thank you, sir.
10: Thank you very much for inviting me, guys. Appreciate it.
0: We'll talk to you next week with the family.